0: You're listening to episode 195 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about going beyond our five senses into more subtle, esoteric realms of knowing. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game changing work of self coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, doesn't that sound so enticing, right? Anyway, how are you doing? I'm getting stoked to go to Hawaii to lead the first retreat of the current cohort of the Adventure Mastermind. I'm super excited to be warmer and have more sun. Even though it's getting to be like a balmier 21 degrees here today in Alaska, it's gonna feel good, right? Okay, so in this week's episode, I wanna talk about different ways we can sense the world beyond our five senses. You know, I had this one lover who was way into sensual things like licking honey off each other and whatnot. And we thought of writing a book called Five about how to explore the five senses. And I think it was a brilliant idea. Who knows? Maybe someone's done it already, but we thought of it decades ago and even called a publisher about it. But you know what? Thinking about it doesn't matter if you don't do it. So anyway, this is no shade on the five senses. We love them, okay? But we're going to take things a few steps further today. Now, some Adventure Mastermind clients have mentioned how their friends and family think it's kind of crazy when they come back from retreat and talk about a conversation they had with a tree or a vision they downloaded from the ethers folks, not from their phone, or a lesson they received from a hummingbird or a manta ray. And people are like, wait, was this when you're on mushrooms? And they're like, no, not then. This experience was totally sober. Because, you know, on the Adventure Mastermind, we do a lot of Preparatory activities and invitations in the wilderness, as well, right? And so I thought I'd share a bit about some practices that help these experiences come to be, because these days it takes a bit of practice to be open to these messages in this way. Now, part of the reason I also want to dive into the senses the senses that we have that go way beyond the five senses we're taught is to invite us to challenge the status quo about what modern industrialized society thinks are valid ways of knowing you know, the whole seeing is believing kind of mentality. Now, I could go in many directions with this, including the basis of scientific thinking itself and comparisons with indigenous scientific methodology and different ways of knowing when it comes to research and whatnot. But for this episode, I want to focus more on how we as normal human beings, not researchers, are sensing information, taking in information about our world on a daily basis, and how that influences how we see ourselves, how we create meaning in our lives, and also how it impacts our mood and health. And this will also help us explore different ways of knowing that involve more than just our amazing brain. You know, we have more than five senses and more than cognition, to help us understand things. And when we open to these other options and even learn to cultivate different ways of knowing, the world is a more rich and magical place, y'all. And you too can chat with hummingbirds, right? (laughs) So we sense that we are all a part of this miracle of life. The more that we can sense with our whole being, we begin to feel more a part of nature instead of an awkward two-legged creature that's trying to fit in. Now, since we're most familiar with our five senses, we're going to start there and make sure that we're fully tapping into what's possible with those five senses. So we've all been taught about the five senses of touch, taste, smell, hearing, and seeing, And you might have even heard me guide a five sense meditation in freedom school or something. And these five senses are what we currently use the most when experiencing our world, most of us. So let's start with touch. And I like to do this by tuning into my skin, feeling the temperature of the air, the sensation of the clothes on my body, the earth under my feet, or the couch or cushions under my bum. I try to notice if I sense wind and where I feel it, on my legs, my face, hair, or hands. And when I'm outside, I like to think of it as nature touching me, right? And it like it feels so good. Now, I'm also very visual and auditory. So with hearing, listening for sounds really helps me drop in. And the other day, I was on a forest walk with Maya, my daughter, and we stopped in silence for a while, not too long because it was cold as fuck out, and we counted how many different sounds we heard. And there were so many in a forest in winter. So we tried to notice uh, which ones seemed near or far and noticing even subtle sounds like hair scratching against a nylon coat or breath. You know, I also notice that when I allow myself to really drop into my senses, especially in nature, I can actually feel quite content and even feeling pretty good about the sensation, like taking actual pleasure in the experience, right? And with taste, when I'm guiding a meditation, we might notice we have lingering tastes of tea or toothpaste or our most recent meal. And in the outdoors, I might notice if I can literally taste the air, like the salty air in Hawaii, or if I'm near a plant I know is edible, I may taste a leaf or a fruit. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my sense of smell got impacted by COVID. And while I still have more of a sensitive nose the most, it's not nearly as sensitive as it used to be, which I kind of miss, but I do think it's slowly coming back. You know, the more I take care of myself, sleep well, detox and all of that. So, you know, we may notice what scents are available near us, just even on our body, the shampoo or soap or on our clothing, you know, any kitchen smells, neighborhood barbecue smells, or the forest air of pines or cedar. The dankness of standing water or even like distant cigarette smoke. I'm like, do people still really smoke tobacco? I mean, listen, I know I loved it when I did it too, but y'all, we're not supposed to be doing that shit daily, okay? I care about you and want you to live healthier and happier. Okay, that's my PSA for today. So anyway, if you're outside, what sense is nature offering you? Okay, and this is related, trust me, but do you know why bears stand on their hind legs? It's not just to see better, you know, yeah, their vision kind of sucks, but it's also to smell better. Did you know that scents can travel at different heights? So my friend that worked at this camp in Minnesota said they'd take essential oils and put them out and people would notice at what height they'd smell different ones. Like lavender was at one height, rose was at a different one, right? Isn't that cool? So what if you change your height or turn your head around like you were trying to see different things, but instead you're taking in scent? All right, so next is sight. So I like to either take in what I can see at the start of a meditation by using a soft gaze, my eyes partially closed. And if I'm outside on a forest therapy walk or something, I'll try to close my eyes for a while, then open them. Like I've never seen the place before. And this allows me to take in things that I might not normally notice, or I may try to widen my view, like expand out to allow in more of my peripheral vision, Allies, as my kid's nature camp teacher, Mariah, calls it. So try to explore your five senses when you get a chance. And if you don't have access to one of the senses, like hearing, or when you're reading the transcript for this or seeing, we have other ways of knowing, right? That we can focus on instead. So, you know, you can even pause the transcript or the recording right now and give some of those explorations a go. All right. So that's briefly covering the five senses. So let's dive into some other senses. And I'm going to use some of the descriptions that Amos Clifford uses when he describes them being used in forest therapy. And I'd like to invite you to explore these outside as well, since that's when most of us can more easily tap into these esoteric senses, right? So one that you might already be familiar with is the way we sense things through our mirror Neurons. Amos calls it mirror sensing. So we know about mirror neurons, but we actually don't know for sure about how or why they work the way they do. But one theory is that they help with empathy, our capacity to understand someone else's experience, and it helps with social learning, right? And it would make sense that this might also extend to the more than human world and all the things going on. Like when you watch a whale or a dolphin jump out of the water, it's like, whoa, and our body responds in a way. Or when we watch a bird dive into the ocean and fly back up with a fish between its talons, looking all badass. This evokes something in us, something that isn't the same each time. You know, it's a unique felt experience shared with that badass bird. So, You know, maybe these mirror neurons aren't just about empathizing with humans, but also helping us pick up on the mood of the more than human world. Not just animals, but maybe also plants and rivers, mountains, granite boulders. And this is somewhat related to the next sense, which Amos calls the body radar. And it's kind of like that feeling you get when you're drawn to something in the immediate environment. So, Sometimes you probably unconsciously use it, like you get to a fork in the trail and you want to decide which way to go and you feel a pull in one direction. And there's a Japanese concept of, I think the pronunciation is chisei, which Amos describes as a form of intelligence that's constantly making choices based on environmental cues that are not processed in ways that we normally consider conscious. Yeah, so it's like this felt sense of being called by something towards something. And you can play with this in a safe outdoor space like your backyard. You just close your eyes, you hold your hands out to your sides or near your hips, and turn your palms forward and just feel into the direction you're facing with your entire body. And then turn slowly, safely, And notice how you feel inside. Think of your body as having a kind of radar as your feelings are registering this kind of unseen contact with the world around you. And then slowly turning in a circle until you're feeling like, oh, right here, for whatever reason, this feels right to me. And then open your eyes and check out what's there. Sometimes it makes perfect sense why your body wanted you to face that way. Maybe there's sunlight on your face. Maybe you see a sunset or alping glow on a distant mountain, or you see a cloud shaped like your favorite pet. Or maybe you get to witness a mama bear and her cubs, right? Other senses. You might also know about proprioception and enteroception. So when you close your eyes and you move your hand, you can sense where it is in space. You feel your body's location in space. That's proprioception. And this helps us feel embodied as well. Keeps us from falling on our asses more than we need to also, right? But being very present with what is happening with our body's position in space, like with walking meditation, This can really help us drop into the present moment. And I'm sure it's one of the reasons that walking meditation is still highly recommended in traditional Buddhist teachings after thousands of years. Like I was talking to my teacher and I was like, do I really have to do walking meditation? Like, can I just do yoga or something? And she's like, no, like you need to do walking meditation, (laughs) You could do your yoga at a different time. But what is walking meditation time? There's a reason. And then once I got into the practice, I could really see the benefit. Now, enteroception, that has to do with the awareness of our internal functions. So our five senses have to do with external info coming in and with interoception. We have a sense of our internal experience, how our body's feeling, like when we might be getting sick or fighting something, or if we're hungry, or when we have to pee. You know, this is really potent information. So those are some other ways of knowing. Now we're going to dive into even more subtle senses. So before you think, holy shit, this is getting like woo X, hang in there. Try to experiment with them, play with them, instead of deciding in the mind if it makes sense or not. Because some of the most valuable and mystical experiences come from these senses. So it's worth at least checking for yourself, as the Buddha would say, right? So these are imaginal sensing and heart sensing, right? Heart sensing is sometimes called the felt sense of the present moment. And these are really subtle, which means they aren't so much about what we can see or touch, but more about an awareness of our emotional state are invisible energies, right? And because of this, we are kind of dancing on an edge of it sometimes being hard to know what we're actually sensing and what we are inventing. And an example of imaginal sensing, you know, it's not so much like, oh, I'm just making shit up, but it's like using something beyond what we can see and feel to know which requires imagination and i know culturally in modern industrialized society we're taught that imagination is fake but imagination can give us access to very real just different and uh, you know unfamiliar ways of knowing as well so you know when we practice listening to a more than human other like a tree or a boulder this is an example of imaginal sensing so to do this we start to cultivate the capacity to listen with the wholeness of our imagination, right? We let the presence of the tree or rock and of everything that's happening around and inside of us make impressions on our thoughts, emotions, and sensations. So we're listening with our whole being. You know, Amos says, with the loose attentiveness, avoiding being carried away by our own skepticism or hopeful projections. And this is key because we don't want to conjure up like what we simply want to hear or block ourselves from receiving a message because we're too closed to the idea of it being possible. So what we pick up then from that state where we are, you know, having a, Loose attentiveness, avoiding being carried away by our own skepticism or hopeful projections. You know, then we are picking things up, not just, you know, within our imagination only, but generated from outside input. We might get a flash of a memory, a vision, or a daydream, or a sudden insight, a body movement, a wave of emotion. This is how we can experience the voice of a tree, right? We're taking in the movements of the tree, their shapes and the events that are happening, you know, all around us within the tree, near the tree. And none of them are accidents or coincidences, but true synchronicity, sending us messages. And these voices aren't even separate, like they're not just the tree. They're not separate from the land as a whole. They serve a purpose. So yeah, people say they've heard trees whisper, manta rays sending telepathic messages, hummingbirds showing up to affirm a tentative inner knowing. And usually this is with our internal ear, but some people actually hear them audibly and know they aren't having a psychotic episode, right? And we can also experience this in art, When we take in an artist's expression of their imaginal sensing, we also have a response via our senses and our emotions. And if this sounds really far out to you, you know, I just want to share. I've done this invitation with many people from many different backgrounds in race, spirituality, gender identification, socioeconomic situation. So such a very diverse group. And I've rarely had someone say, you know. I got nothing. <laughs> but even for them, it's usually just requiring a bit more practice. So it's also requiring us to believe a few things, right? One, that we can actually be in relationship with more than human others, like trees. Also, that all things are alive and have consciousness or sentience. And that through this type of imaginal sensing, through our imagination, we can actually have contact with that consciousness. So this isn't woo shit, right? This is something land-based cultures have known and experienced for millennia. If you go far back enough in your own heritage, you'll find roots in these similar beliefs, right? And in my experience, this isn't like outdated, primitive thinking. This is real knowing, just a different way of knowing, a different sense that we've lost our skills in. So, you know, if you're like, I don't know, great, be skeptical and go try it. Go experiment with it with, with sincerity, you know, removing hopeful projections and skepticism and just experimenting and playing with it. Now, last, I want to talk about the hard the sense. You know, what I was saying was the, the felt sense of the present moment. So this is, the way that we experience the world when we are utterly present and also present with the impermanence of the moment itself. Amos says, recognizing no two moments are the same, no two places are the same. A place revisited is not the same place it was on a prior visit. Each time we come to a new turn in the trail, we feel a difference. The location of this sense is in and around the heart Our hearts are incredibly sensitive and intelligent. And he continues, we each emit a measurable energy field that extends from our hearts well beyond the boundaries of our skins. This field is constantly interacting with what's around us. The heart field combines with what we're feeling, seeing, hearing, and so on into a sublime form of knowing. Okay. What the fuck? That does sound kind of woo-wack. So another way to explore this is to pause every now and then and feel into the question, what's it like to be fill in the blank? So if we're on a walk outside and we come to a fork in the trail, we can ask, what's it like to be standing at this crossroads or at a stream? We can ask, what's it like to be crossing this stream? And the tricky part is that we're not supposed to answer the question of what's it like? We just ask it as a prompt and staying out of our heads, we feel into it in our heart area. And that's the intelligence that goes way beyond our cognitive mind and thoughts. You know, it's really true mindfulness, being present without judgment or analysis. You know, it's what many seek in meditation but that we have access to when we remain open to asking this question and feeling into it even without meditation right we're instead of thinking into the answer it's more of an embodied knowing so ultimately you know one of the gifts of tapping into these sensory experiences is helping us to arrive in this present moment which helps us tap into this heart sense Like, what do we know when we're fully present in the moment? You know, for me, hanging out in this space is often a balance of uh, really deep gratitude and also some grief simultaneously. I pretty consistently feel that in that space. And it's a tender feeling. I like it, you know? Now, as we tap into these sensory experiences, we also start to notice how we're impacted by them, how we feel. You know, we go from sensory to sensual, as Amos says. So we might use the invitation to differentiate between sensory input from the outside and the sensual experience of how we feel internally, the effect it has on us. So like we can go to the edge of the ocean or stream or lake, any body of water, and we put our hand in the water, and we might say, outside, I feel the temperature. If it's still or splashing or moving, rushing, and sensually, inside, I feel delight or maybe anxiety, you know, whatever arises. And we can do that with each sense, you know, while looking at it, we might say, outside, I see. The turquoise blue and white water. Inside, I feel calm and relaxed in my shoulders. Outside, I smell. Inside I feel. Outside, I hear. Outside, I taste, and so on. So this may seem like basic mindfulness, like eating the raisin in the, you know, MBSR class or something, but the deeper reality is that sensual experiences are the portal into an authentic relationship with nature and the more-than-human world. As children, we knew this way of being intimately, and then it was taught out of us. Being in our body and engaging in the senses in the natural world is a way we can communicate with it bi-directionally. So reclaiming our belonging in the natural world as humans is an essential step towards our own healing and that of the planet. It's a rebellious act against a society that tells us we don't belong in nature and that nature is here simply for us to use up for our own benefit. And it's a key reminder of our interdependence with everything around us. So I hope you can take some time today or this week to practice exploring these senses, ideally outside, but inside's okay too. Just try to be with another more than human other, like a plant or pet, if you end up staying inside. And perhaps you too will start to have even more magical moments as you engage in regular conversation and connection with the world around you, an authentic relationship. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Training Kit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.